And you've got to persuade the customer to realize that this isn't an immediate quick fix. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain How long should a marketing campaign run before you know it's been a success? How does old-school print media sit with the digital marketing world? And what are the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when it comes to digital marketing? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, John Bosco. John, welcome to DMR. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, thank you for joining me. Well, John is the head of Jontus Media, a creative marketing and design agency based in Stockholm, Sweden. A small team of guerrilla marketers, Team Jontus currently serve clients in Europe, North America, South America and Asia. So John, a small team of guerrilla marketers sounds interesting. How would you define guerrilla marketing? Well, that's a great place to start. And it's also probably the most contentious question you could ask, really. <laughs> well, I could ask more contentious. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think the thing is the term guerrilla, you know, it can be taken because of its militaristic associations. I don't mean it like that. I use the term guerrilla marketing because it's been a term that's been used to really convey that sense of marketers that were really prepared to go in as a small team, to go undercover, to really do the difficult jobs and really to be slightly different to the bigger, well, if we're still working with the military metaphor, the standard army. And um, for us, being a guerrilla marketing agency, it means being being able to run an agency with one of us in Japan, in Osaka in Japan, someone in Barcelona, three of us here in Stockholm, somewhere in the States. So it's like that kind of Bond movie where the team can get together wherever they like, rush in, do the business and uh, and get away. Uh, that's really what I mean by that. <laughs> so a real challenger agency that likes to take on the big boys but do it in a in a stealth manner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some of the some of the things that we've worked on are probably not what you would think that the kind of, you know, small kitchen table agency would do it surprises people when we talk about some of our case studies really okay well um, i hope to hear a little bit more about that later on uh, in this discussion then but in, in terms of um, getting started with you um obviously i would imagine that um um being very focused on um on, on getting results, I would imagine, for your clients. Um, how long should it take um, for a campaign to run before you know that it's actually been a success? That's an incredibly difficult thing to answer because, of course, there are so many there are so many different projects. My approach to, to marketing is always to say that marketing, whether it's traditional or content marketing, is a commitment. It's not a campaign. I, I actually think that's probably what I'm most known for, other than Basset Hounds, is is a quote, content marketing is a, is, is a commitment, not a campaign. I see it on the web almost daily. And really, that's what I mean, that you're not going to see the results unless you've got or everything set up in place, all the metrics, it's such a such a huge question. You can't really start without knowing what you want to achieve. And you've got to have that goal in place from the outset. And then you have to work out the metrics that you're going to measure along the way to achieving that goal. 
And so, so to actually pinpoint, super difficult, but um, I think that's a long process to that. But I always say it's a commitment. It's going to take a, a certain amount of time. We need to have metrics in place to measure, but it always has to start with the customer's goal. Okay, so content marketing is a commitment. Um, how do you encourage clients or prospective clients to actually make that commitment? Well, I think the thing that you have to have as an agency is part of you has to be an educator. There's so much information out there about marketing. It's very easy for bootstrappers, for small to medium-sized businesses, even for CEOs who are you know in massive companies, and even have marketing agencies, sorry, marketing teams with them, looking to see what they they can do. It's 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 incredibly important for them to find out the way forward. They want to know what's happening here and now, and they get on Google and they ask questions. And the industry, I think has to be careful because at times, you know, we we talk SEO, SEO, and I know that's been part of your background. Mm. And at other times it's been, you know, video is is the marketing tool this year. And people want to jump onto the what's working now. And no matter what's working right now doesn't mean that something from the past couldn't affect your business. And so it's about identifying your goals yet again, finding the right kind of marketing materials, strategies, tactics to implement. And you've got to persuade the customer to realize that this isn't an immediate quick fix, that because nowadays we can use so many metrics with digital media, we're in such a wonderful position, both as as marketing providers, but also as customers, because we can measure you know, incrementally all the steps that we do. So that's really what I'm getting at there, that it, it it's, you've got to teach the customer about the process, that it's not an immediate quick fix, that just throwing money at it from the outset isn't necessarily going to get you the kind of results that you want. Actually, you could be starting with a, a, a much smaller campaign, well thought out, can yield much, much better results than just a massive investment straight out. Okay. And one phrase you mentioned there was something from the past impacting your business. Um, And that could, of course, be perhaps a traditional marketing activity that's been successful in the past. So how does old school print media sit within the digital marketing world? I am a big fan of print media. Uh, from a business perspective, I have to say that there is more profit in print media. So you could say that, mm-hmm. well, you would say that, John. Um, but um, seriously, I think at the moment, for example, I was talking with a customer and we were looking at various digital campaigns. And I said to her, well, you know, I'll tell you what, the next thing that we're going to do on, as part of the campaign, we're going through your database of people and you're going to, you know, get a postcard handwrite a postcard and send it to the 50 top targets that you have. She only needs to to get a certain amount of um, of, of customers from that to really do well. And, uh, it sh- you know, it knocked her back. But what do you mean? We've been, you know, building my email list. Um, you know, we've got thousands of people on the, the regular emails that go out weekly. Why would I want to do something as old school as a postcard, printed, glossy, looking super nice? And I said to her, don't forget, if you look at studies, 
people keep postcards on their desks or on their walls or on their fridges or whatever for up to about two weeks, studies suggest, compared to those things that people send you through the mail and that you throw away instantly, the big, the big glossy brochures, and how quickly does it take to throw away an email? So something like a printed postcard, handwritten, can be incredibly effective, whether you're a small solo entrepreneur or even a big business. Uh, another business that we work with, the CEO every year has a very, very nice card printed out. And this is a this is an organization that's got, you know, over 750 employees yeah. and and sends out a handwritten note to their customers mm. to you know and 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 so something as old school as that really makes a personal connection we're always talking social media let's not forget the <laughs> original social media yeah. uh letters postcards but also print media in in newspapers they can still get you noticed for example um one of our customers um, is a is a school, and I'm not giving anything away by talking about this. It's a it's a boarding school here in Sweden, and the the people that pay for boarding schools are, are often parents, but they're also often grandparents, and grandparents read newspapers still. If you look at the demographics, mm. and a print advert in a newspaper is going to find that group much more than a really highly targeted advert on Facebook, which will work for another demographic. So that's what I'm saying. I think it all goes back to what's your goal and your target audience? Have you worked through your your buyer personas and what is the channel to get them? And don't, you know, please don't forget that the traditional forms still work. It's great advice there because um, it's it's about thinking outside the norm, really. If you, if you see all your competitors doing exactly the same marketing activities or business activities, then you've got to question whether um, they're just copying each other and perhaps there might not be a better opportunity out there for engaging with your target audience. I mean, I'm, I'm a member of... Um, John Lee Dumas's um, podcasting group, and um, he was the, the the first guest in, on this podcasting show, actually. But um, um, as a, as a welcome to his group, um, he sent out uh, a mug, uh, a physical mug. Um, so he was in America. I was actually in Australia at the time. So um, that was a bit of a effort in his uh, behalf to do that. But he he also recorded a, a personal audio message as well, um, you know, with my name in it and you know d- different personal things in there. So that's um, something that someone does who is um, exceptionally successful and very busy but it shows you that um, if he thinks that uh, something like that is important to do and taking the personal time to do then it is obviously really worthwhile to his business Mm, that's a phenomenally it's a phenomenally good example i think for many solo entrepreneurs that's a good way of getting started and getting noticed and really building building your brand ambassadors just the 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 warmth that you spoke uh, that you had in your voice as you recounted that anecdote shows that John's technique works because mm. it actually spoke to you and you know the same with the postcard the same with the handwritten note the same with the telephone call you'd be amazed how many people are really touched if you just reach out to them and say oh i, I saw you were on Skype fancy a chat for 2 minutes yeah Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can name people just on just on a single hand who really go out there and just do something a little bit um, beyond the norm, and you remember them. It, it makes all the difference for the long term. But I think an important thing to 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 say here 
um, is that even massive corporations can have the same approach. You know, so many of the podcasters, so many of the the, the folks coming out of the John Lee Dumas School of Podcasting <laughs> seem to be talking, because I've been interviewed on a couple of them now, seem to have a, a similar kind of approach. And let's not forget, as podcasters, as people who are working with marketing that are putting messages out there, that there are people in a, in, in big industry that listen to these things. And a huge corporation can be just as personal, can reach out just as much, can build personal connections just as much. You have to think it through and how you're going to do it. And policies can be very difficult, can be difficult to make, but the actual return on it can be absolutely amazing. So those are some of the things that are working really well at the moment or could work really well. Um, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when it comes to digital marketing? Uh, first and foremost, um, well, I suppose expectations isn't a mistake. The road to hell is paved with <laughs> <laughs> overblown expectations. No, I think the first, the biggest mistake that we see with customers is that they don't actually think what their goal is, the final goal. So, for example, someone from the state scheduled a call with me this week. They wanted to talk through a business idea and they had some fantastic ideas about site design, about what they were going to bring to, to the potential customers. You know, it was exciting. And I said to them, but what do you want to achieve? By talking to me and my team, what do you want to achieve? What's your goal? goal, your end goal with your business. And that question threw the gentleman completely. And it, it, it comes up so many times. So I think if you're going to do it yourself, or even if you're going to go and talk to agencies, you've got to decide well, what is the goal, whether it's a small action, for example, if you're releasing an ebook or, you know, for example, you're putting something out on Amazon. So your goal there would be to, I want to achieve 2000 sales in the first week. Then when you've got a goal, then you can work backwards and start to look at the strategies and tactics that you would implement. I always believe that starting from that dream goal, whatever point it is in your business, whether it's selling an ebook or whether it's selling to 50,000 customers, that that point will define the metrics, the investment, the strategies, the whole approach that you really need to start thinking about taking. So coming at it from the wrong angle or not thinking about that final goal. Okay, so having the wrong goals or perhaps having uh, the wrong targets um, in the wrong not, time frame. Not, not even knowing. No, not not even knowing your goal. I'm sorry, you know, living in a multilingual environment here, <laughs> expressing myself late at night can be a, a wee a wee bit confusing. No, what I'm what I'm trying to get across here is that people that they just don't think they haven't identified what their goal is before they start the marketing campaign. Right. They get caught up with the idea of the business. They get caught up with what they want to really achieve, but they haven't thought of the specific business goal. And that specific business goal drives the campaign. 
drives every aspect of it. Okay, so say for instance, if um, a business had a campaign to drive a thousand leads within a couple of weeks from a particular campaign, and that that was their goal in mind, um, what other key performance indicators could that business be thinking of to actually measure whether or not they're likely to be um, moving in the right direction and um, also indicating that they're doing things correctly? Could we could we reangle it slightly? Because you said that the goal there was to drive a thousand, I think you said like a thousand traffic or whatever. Yeah. When I say a goal, what do you actually, what's the end goal of that? Are they purchasing? Are they, that's the bit I miss. Okay, okay. Well, well let, let's let's say a hundred purchases from, from, from a thousand leads. So, so effectively, the, the purchase is the ultimate aim, yeah. Yeah, that's it. See, that's you see how easy it is to miss it <laughs> <laughs> to get those, those purchases. So okay, so so a lead isn't a goal then, in your opinion? Um, it can be, but for me, it's it's a point along the way to that final goal. Of course, we you know we have incremental, we have all these steps along the way, you know, the small steps to the big result. But from a in terms of a marketing campaign. The customer needs to know what they actually want to achieve. Yes, that then you can move for you can sort of work from the end point for, you know, forwards, as it were. So those leads are an important metric to actually measure how close you are getting to them. But for me, that goal of getting those sales, that's the main point there. Okay, no, um, an excellent point as well. Um, so let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing's been and, and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Asana. Asana, the project um, management teamwork tool. Um, I, I think quite a few people are familiar with Basecamp, mm. which often gets talked about as the big daddy of them all. But Asana, which came on the market a few years ago and really matured a lot last year, we like you know if you go with the the concept of a small team, a fast moving team that need to be on top of you know, a number of sprints simultaneously, you know, if we're, we're serving a, a customer base, you know, we have a number of, of customers on our, our, our roster. And what we can do with Asana is that no matter where we are in the world, we can open up our laptop, our iPad, tablet, whatever, and you can see exactly what the next achievable is. So, for example, if you're on my team, David, you open up in the morning, you see that today you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And you can also see that Sebastian has to live, deliver A, B, and C. And that is imperative because it enables us to to deliver on time, to not miss deadlines, to give feedback to each other. It builds group cohesion because of the transparency we see we're all accountable to each other and you know yes hierarchy is always going to be in business at the bottom end if if you're you know if it's three owners five owners or one owner you're you know that top of the hierarchy is going to make those key decisions but i firmly believe in transparency as as as, as far as possible okay. so asana and um, you mentioned Basecamp as well. Have, have you tried Basecamp enough to be able to say why you reckon Asana's better than yeah. Basecamp? Yeah, sure. We used Basecamp for three years and then transitioned over to Asana about 14 months ago. Basecamp 
really liked old Basecamp, was very impressed with new Basecamp. But the thing I... We started looking for another solution because we felt that Basecamp was increasingly becoming just like email, Mm. that the calendar function wasn't as... It wasn't as good for us to get an overview of what each other were doing and we didn't like it wasn't as clear to to use the to do's asana's use of to do's bullet lists if you like with sub bullet lists was much much more intuitive and we jumped on it we tried it for a day and very very quickly all of us were were on it i will say though customers preferred basecamp right interesting but um, you've got to do things that are right for your business as well, obviously. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Ultimately, the team has to deliver. But it, it, the way that we've always worked is to bring customers into the project management software as well. Mm-hmm. And in Basecamp, 99% of the time, customers loved it. With Asana, it's I have had to make more training videos for customers to use Asana. I never had to do that with Basecamp. Right, okay. I mean, of course, there are pros and cons about each software tool, but um, I, I love exploring new tools myself, and it's just incredible how many fantastic tools are around now, because I remember um, really getting started in um, online marketing about 10 years ago or so, effectively, and um, not being too many supportive tools out there, but um, now there's almost too many. <laughs> <laughs> you you can spend the whole morning exploring and playing with new tools. They're 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 almost as big a suck as uh, clicking a social media link. <laughs> and um, slightly more challenging question: What software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, but you've meant to try at some point in the near future? That's that's a that's a very interesting question <laughs> because I'm so I'm such a whirlwind that I generally constantly check everything out and try and cram in as many things into the day so i'm not very good at denying myself those things but i will say um the closest software there would be trello okay that's been mentioned a couple of times i've been in once i've been in once um but i was only there for a couple of seconds so that would i think that would have to count (laughs) it would indeed yes I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Where do I come at that? Do I come at it from my own business perspective or from serving the client? Um, I like leaving questions fairly open, so feel free to come at it um, from any angle that you see fit. Well, what I would say then is from my own perspective, and this is something that we still struggle with, I still struggle with, it's something you learn every time you go on to a new project, and that is scoping a project. It's very, very difficult to understand the scope of a project. And I think that applies to the customer too. You as the business come along thinking, well, this is what they want, this is how we're going to have to do it, it's going to take so many service hours. And in the early days, I made lots more mistakes with that than I do now, excuse me, I made a lot more mistakes with that. And that's the one thing that I wish I had had. You know, if I could have gone out to the tree of experience and plucked down scoping projects as the number one skill that I could have put in my backpack, that's the one I would have had. 
And do you see that kind of activity as something that people lack doing um, when they get started in in the business in digital media nowadays? I mean, I think my example there is specifically relating to running my business. But, right. but there is a similar point, and I do think that we underestimate the scope of online marketing activities, whether it's exploring what we can do with Twitter, Facebook, blogging, podcasting, that whole scope issue. It's it's very easy to get excited about what we're going to do with the latest platform or the latest initiative, the latest marketing idea that we've got that we think is going to work. But actually thinking through the scope of it, putting resources into it, working through timelines and, and being realistic. I, I think so it's it's very related. It's very related. So keep on asking why are you doing it and what outcome do you want to achieve by doing it? Yes. And work in small sprints. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Yep. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Neither. <laughs> Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. We race through them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so let's move on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would spend... How much did you say? $10,000? Yes. I'm just trying to convert that into crowns. I would probably... I would spend that on a really, really high-end video camera a really really high-end professional video camera professional we have really good high-end uh, dslr cameras mm. um but i would go out and invest in even even better uh, video and audio equipment and the reason i say that is because we have found and this is my my real belief about where marketing is at as of october 2014 mm -hmm. and that is that it is entertainment that is counting more and more. In so many campaigns that we've seen in, in 2014, the big, the really big sh sh shift is that we've seen the activities that are pure entertainment, no matter that they're in the B2B space, get more eyeballs, get more traction, and really get things rolling. And where we're seeing really, really scary and I think, and I use the word scary because I think it's scary for small businesses because I have a lot to do with mentoring small businesses. Uh, it's really scary because it means that um, that we're going to have to start embracing what we can do with video and the barriers to entry are going to get, they're getting lower, but to be seen, to compete, to be effective. So that's where I'd go, actually. I'd really go out and invest in really, really good, um, video audio I have excellent audio equipment but to improve video that our use of video and any training any money left over we'd put into training to to use that material 
Right, okay. I mean, I would like to, I think, get more into video marketing at some point in the future. Um, but it's obviously important to have focus and um, and try and do one thing well, um, possibly before you move on to that. Uh, I've done things like um, have whole seminars that I've delivered, recorded live and um, and uploaded as a single video onto YouTube. And, and they've done exceptionally well, but I, I've been a li little bit lacking at producing the two to five minute type videos, just focusing on individual topics. And I, I believe I can do better there. Mm, that's interesting. And I'm interested that you, you went to the kind of pedagogical example, because I do think that a lot of, and I do this myself with my own podcast, that it's this kind of teaching things out. That, sorry, that's swinglish. But um, uh, this whole like, idea of, of, of being a thought leader and sharing that with the community. And I think the point that I was trying to make is that entertainment at the B2B level is becoming fundamentally important. And without giving too many things away, I can say that with the customer that we've been working with, we have achieved more conversion in a B2B digital pharmacy sector by making, well, what might bluntly say very silly Vine videos mm. have converted extremely well compared to all the traditional things that we've seen working in the past, like, you know, blogging and, uh, well, proper interviews, all that kind of stuff. So you say that um, entertainment um, is um, very important or will be very important uh, in terms of um, including that as part of your videos. But is that relevant for every single um, business or, or the majority of businesses? And I'm thinking off the top of my head, something like a lawyer's. Could, could they actually do a video that's entertaining? There is no cookie cutter approach. I'm sorry, <laughs> one of my dogs has decided to drink here. Um, there is no cookie. There is no cookie cutter approach, and I, I think people like you and I have to be really careful about painting in broad strokes because people that listen to these shows and go to conferences and listen to people like us come away with this this idea that this is what works for everyone, and I would really want to distance myself from speaking from making a generalization but what i would say if a lawyer came to me and said uh we'd really like to get ourselves noticed in family law in stockholm and you know there are lots of people doing this how could we do it we could say well get a website write some you know uh, answer people's problems because people go online to ask google problems and you'll see that everyone else is doing that and you won't really get a point of differentiation. But if we said to them, look, you're a family lawyer. Here's a video camera. Here's some audio, you know, here's some audio recording stuff. And we're going to follow you around for a week. And we'll make seven, ten, very, very short, two, three-minute clips of how you work. And if you've got paid advertising getting people to your site and you see a, a, a lawyer just showing how boring it can be sitting in the traffic from Sodermalm to Medmoreplatzan and grimacing at the camera of rushing, taking a moment to really hug a customer when something worked out. That's entertainment. And it's also marketing because it's creating 
it's really creating connections with your audience. I think that it reduces the friction, the barrier to purchase mm. that because you're not going to like every potential family lawyer out there. But that hugging, frowning, grimacing lawyer stuck in the traffic might just be the kind that speaks to you, to you as a, a buyer. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I was picturing the the lawyer going along in his car and um, and stopping off at fifty different customers and giving them all a big box of chocolates <laughs> and uh, a, a bunch of flowers and taking a video of their reaction to that. <laughs> but it's 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 about being creative, as you, as you said, and um, as as long as if um, what you do uh, doesn't detract from the the actual message of the business, then 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 great, I suppose. Yeah, you've got to have your key value proposition. You've got to make it absolutely clear what you are selling. No no bones about that. But that for me is, you know, that comes down to sort of business intelligence. The way that you convey that though, you know, it's like being, it's like those old personal ads. You know, I'm an old guy. I'm in my 40s. In the past, people used to put adverts in newspapers saying I'm tall, dark and handsome. And then you'd sort of see them and they'd be short, fat and bald. But Nowadays, it is about we we have the marketing tools to show, not just tell, and a smiling, authentic piece of entertainment can show people that you actually are the yeah. smiling, friendly guy that could do business. Yeah, the, the the advert that actually springs to mind there. You you might not have seen it um, um, being in Sweden, but um, Hugh Laurie advertising skincare cream. And um, you know he's he's just a regular guy, but you, normally you'd have the the ad of you know the really attractive model um, putting on the skin cream, and obviously they got that way because they were just using the skin cream. But um, something relatable is 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 more likely to I guess stick in people's minds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My number one takeaway. Well, John, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Content marketing is a commitment, not a campaign. It is. It's a commitment. You 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 can't underestimate what is involved. You no, can't underestimate it. And you have to stick at it and you have to go back and tweak Oh, and great to um, emphasise that because it, it is something that has to be emphasised. So really good. Um, so that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, please go along to jontusmedia.com. That's J-O-N-T-U-S media.com. And hopefully you'll put a link to that in your show notes. And I suppose the best way for people to get to know me if they're interested is to to check out my own podcast, Online Marketing Communications. I think we're up to, I'm up to episode 132. Wonderful. Congratulations. Well, thanks again, John. Thank you so much for having me. Did you like it in radio? Did you like it in radio? 